This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison, back after taking Friday's podcast off with Paul Gorse, David Lynch and Kiefer McDonald all alongside me this afternoon. We'll preview the final Champions League group match with Napoli in a short while, but we do unfortunately need to begin with another defeat for the Reds, this time at Anfield. Crescencio Somerville with the winning goal late on for Leeds United. Another poor showing really from Liverpool once again, Gorsdiel. Come to you first. I mean, Manchester City and West Ham beaten in the recent past, but then defeats to Nottingham Forest and Leeds. It's just that inconsistency, really. It just doesn't seem to make much sense for Liverpool this season. No, it doesn't. Um, it kind of makes those those wins a bit pointless, really. What, so, like, what's the point of meeting Man City if you're going to go and lose to, to Forest a week later? Or even even West Ham, you know, David Moyes hasn't got a, a good record at all against, you know, the traditional big six, but... Even that was, you know, quite quite a, a good win against a decent West Ham side. Um, and then they go and do what they do against Forest and then compound it by the, the game against Leeds. Um, the, the match itself was a strange one. I was, I was kind of, you know, writing in our live match blog at the time that this is a bit of a, a, bit of a weird game. It's a, it's a bit of an odd game. There were so many individual errors, just loose passes, poor touches, moans and groans from the stands from very early on. And then the, the goal that Bill conceded, the first one, kind of, Summed up the season in a way, didn't it? Um, you know, Rodrigo won't get an easier goal in his career. And it was laid on a play for him by Liverpool's centre-back and goalkeeper, <clears throat> kind of combining for a comedy of errors. Um, I mean, Liverpool might be able to say that they, they did enough to win the game and it was only that the goalkeeper pulled out a remarkable number of saves. But I said to Theo Squires, who was sitting next to me at the time, they're not saves that... Um, you know, they, they weren't world-class saves. The, you're not quite sure how, how he's got to it or whatever. They were just fairly comfortable that you'd expect the Premier League goalkeeper to make. Um, I think he would have been disappointed if he would have been beaten with, with any of them, really. Um, Nunes was unlucky with his other one, but all, all the rest were fairly routine, weren't they? And then just when you're kind of lament, lamenting more drop points and it's a it's another game where they pull up one and where does this leave them in the shake-up, they go and lose it. Um, and it's the first defeat... Since March 2021, and you know, at Anfield, 29 games, I think that is. And then obviously the first defeat in front of fans since April the 23rd, 2017. Um, and it kind of shattered the Anfield door and Liverpool are now looking up at ninth. And it's just incredible, really, how a poor couple of months have seemingly undone five years of progress. Um, because it really is, really does look that serious at the moment for me. And I don't think Liverpool are going to get top four now. I, I think. There's too many teams in the shake-up for it and they're already eight points back on Newcastle. Um, and that'll set Liverpool back years unless there is a major kind of rethink on how the football club is run from top to bottom by the owners because um, we know that they don't spend, they rely so heavily on the Champions League income and if that's not there for them next season, then where does this leave the club? Where does this leave the squad that's going to need major kind of um, an injection of, of youth and quality? Um I hope I'm not being too much of a doom monger, but it really is majorly concerning. And it's just incredible that, you know, first week of August, straight through to the, the last days of October, that's all it's taken for us to get to this point. And um, it's a huge concern, you know, from, from our eyes here anyway. Yeah, it was a, a really, really strange night, actually. As you say, a few little errors all over the pitch, players slipping over and, and not doing the basics. A bit weird in the, the, the stands as well. And 
I think Lindsay up until that point, there'd been a bit of chat really around the away form hadn't been great. There was maybe a, a bit of a, a feeling that it'd be okay at Anfield, you know, even if it's not going the way that Liverpool wanted to away from home. But they've not even got that to, to cling to now. It, it wasn't as if Leeds didn't deserve this result. They've kind of come to Anfield and as Gorsty said, the, the aura now is, is just shattered. There'll be there'll be other teams, Napoli as we're going to come to, future teams in, in future weeks. They're going to look at it and think, well, it's it's just not the same Liverpool compared to what it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I joked to someone at Anfield before we, we sort of went up to, to watch the game that, um, that, you know, I fully expected Liverpool to, to thrash Leeds and put in a fairly decent performance and then 100% get beat at Spurs away to follow it up because I just feel like that's the way the season has gone. But then to lead, lose to Leeds and, and in the way they, they did, which, you know, has been touched upon there, is, it, it, you know, it's a... It's a fairly, you know, the, the expected goals were on both sides are fairly even. Again, it was another one of those games where Liverpool had turned it into a bit of a coin flip, and, and they've come out on the wrong side of it. And you know, there is an element of luck involved in those sorts of games sometimes. And the way Leeds get that chance at the end and then put it away is, yeah, okay, you're unfortunate. You could you could have come away with a point, or, or maybe one of those chances just falls for you and, and you win the game. But if you're consistently putting in performances like that, whereby you're giving the opposition as many chances as you're creating yourself. Then you know you you, you uh, the behest really of how the, the sort of look falls. You're, you know, might as well roll the dice to start the game and, and see how it goes. Really, and you know, with the quality of the player that Liverpool are putting on the pitch, or certainly reputationally anyway, um, you know, they should be doing a lot more in games than that. And it's just it's just really really is concerned. And I, I think Gorsi's right to touch upon sort of the long term concerns in terms of what they do. But also, you know, tied into a lot of long contracts here with a, with a lot of players who seemingly have just fallen off a cliff all of a sudden. And you know, to to you know, you look at some of the contenders for the top four, and I, and I agree that Liverpool will probably be nowhere near that now. I think they've just given themselves too much to do. But you know, it, it's okay, for example, for for Liverpool to not consistently challenge a Manchester City side who are capable of spending what they they, they do. You know, for example, they, they go out last summer after winning the title and sign Haaland on a con- an eye-watering contract that Liverpool can't get anywhere near. Totally accept that that's fine. But to allow teams like Arsenal and Newcastle, who, you know, Newcastle have spent a bit, but you look at their 11, they shouldn't be above Liverpool. You know, that, that shouldn't be happening. But to, to allow those teams to just walk past you through pure complacency and believing that it's not possible to improve upon this squad. It, you know, it's got to be such a, a certain standard and then see... Brendan Aronson completely running the show uh, at Anfield and a midfield that just looks so leggy and, and, and you know, off it in comparison. I'm pretty sure there were players out there that could have improved this team. And I, and I just think that what what's happened to get to this point is, you know, you could see some small signs towards the back end of last season, but, but complacency is completely set in. And that, I think that's why we find ourselves where we are in that, you know, that, that, that work hasn't been undone overnight, the, the good work of the previous five years. I think it's been a, a slow process building towards where they've basically taken a few summers off and, and not done the right thing, not, you know, not done enough in certain situations. And, you know, it's, it's added up and added up. And the cumulative effect is this just very, very sudden collapse. And I think I said it on the last podcast, in fact, that I think there's a lot more pain to come this season because I think, you know, the, the, the solutions aren't there at the club already. You know this work should have been done before, and I think there's there's more poor performances to come because it's not just a case of okay the injuries might be hurting Liverpool at the moment, but there are several other things that you know aren't just solved by players coming back, and this squad needs surgery to get back there, and then that suddenly becomes much harder if you don't get the Champions League, which they probably won't. So, yeah, not a good situation, not a good night, and um, yeah, that's my joyous take on things, I suppose. 
<laughs> yeah, plenty more pain to, to come on this podcast, I think. Forget the rest of, of this season. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned Newcastle there. Bruno Gimaraes is, is one that you'd look at and go, well, surely he would have been one that, that Liverpool looked at. Wasn't exactly unknown, wasn't out of their price range. That There were options, Kiefer. And once again, we are talking about that midfield. Obviously, switched a little bit in the, the last couple of games to that diamond. But I just didn't think that that system particularly worked very well for the individuals or collectively on Saturday. No, exactly. It was kind of more of what we've kind of been used to seeing in, in recent weeks or, or since the start of the season, really. And, you know, individuals, you know, not performing. I mean, even even Tiago, who's, you know, such a good retainer of the ball, you know, how many pa- passes did he misplace on, on Saturday night? And and again, Fabinho, kind of his problems continued, didn't they? Just, again, not really sure what, what the problem is, whether it's, you know, just how much football he's played. But, you know, he, he just kind of looks uh, half the player that he was last season. And, you know, in kind of the mix of it. And I, I know there's been times in his Liverpool career when he has come back from injuries and, you know, it does take a bit to get to get up and going. Um, I think it was 2019, wasn't it, when he got that injury at Napoli? Um, you know, it was a couple of months out. And then it wasn't really until the after the pandemic and, and project restart that he kind of came into his own again. But, you know, his form, and, and like David touched on then, you know, he was handed a, a long contract next summer. We've got four years left on that now. So it's like, you know, if, if if he's if he's not performing at his best at the minute, you know, long term he's on on big money, and you know, not that I'm suggesting that he, you know should be sold or whatever. But as you say, you kind of put so much faith in these players in in recent years, which obviously they deserve because of the performances that they've kind of continually had. But maybe it's just that kind of that toll of you know how many games they've played and and kind of how how high stake the games have been. If I mean, you look at last year from from January to May, there wasn't really any games where you could say that Liverpool could you know rotate with ease, um, and that's obviously kind of come back to, to kind of bite them now and. And, and Klopp obviously today was was quite defiant in terms of you know saying about to judge this group of players maybe it's not not the right time or maybe it's not fair to judge himself as well, um, and you know I, I do get that in in a sense of you know there is so many caveats around what is wrong with Liverpool at the minute I think you know if you compare it to the the twenty twenty one you know centre back crisis I think everyone could kind of you know comfortably pinpoint the issue and be like you know that you know if this gets sorted. You know that's that's the issue, and you know Liverpool were playing what ten yards deeper. The, the press had gone and kind of thing, and teams are kind of just you know passing through them. But then they signed Canati didn't they, at the end of the season, and then there was kind of that hope that you know things would go back to normal, which which obviously they did last year. But I think at the, at the minute it's you know it's seemingly impossible to kind of tell you know what the what the issue is for Liverpool. And I mean you can point the fingers at you know investment, which I think you know Klopp has been let down to an extent. Um, you know, he said he was happy with his midfield options, didn't he? But, you know, it's kind of hard to tell what goes on higher up in the club, you know, whether he's just kind of saving face and, and ultimately he gets, you know, left with, with Arthur Mello on, on deadline day with hours left at a window. And, you know, I think, you know, that signing probably tells you everything you need to know um, about kind of the, the recruitment and for a team that have been so, in, in, in terms of like planning for the future and stuff like that, you know, been so um, great in recent years they've kind of been the, the envy of Europe in terms of how they've been able to recruit ahead of windows I mean you look at how they they got Carvalho tied down to that deal um you know even even picking up Elliot for so cheap and you know now it kind of looks at or where do they go because they kind of put all their eggs in this one basket of next summer is going to be the the big midfield revamp and you know whether that be you know Jude Bellingham or whoever that is going to be but you know if you don't have Champions League football on offer it's, it's very hard to say um you know, especially in the circumstances and the way Liverpool play, and it's, it's very hard to kind of have that pull. You know, as great as Liverpool might be as a historic club, it's it's very hard to sell that to, to someone like Jude Bellingham, who's going to have you know the pick of any club in Europe. You know, whether that be you know Manchester City or Real Madrid. So, I think once you lose out on that, and then obviously we know how FSG run in terms of a self-sustaining model, which you know I don't think anyone has a problem with. Uh, uh, you know, um, but it's when you kind of take that that money that is the self-sustaining model, and you take that away into the Champions League football. 
um, you know, that is that is going to be a real problem because then, you know, they are going to be having to put their hands into to their own pockets. And I think what for the final last year, the run to, to Paris, what did they get near enough 100 million? So take take that out, you know, next year. They did, you know, they don't get to the final this year, they don't get to the final, or they're not in the Champions League next year. That's that's a huge slice of the cake that Liverpool won't be able to, you know, kind of play with and, and deal with. And and then when you, you know, you, you think that Newcastle are going to have, you know, two or three more windows then, you know, to kind of strengthen that team that, you know, as they've touched on it, you know, isn't a great team when you look at it. You know, there's plenty of, you know, players that have been there under Benitez and Bruce. You know, they, they brought in what Dan Byrne, Matt Target, you know, Joe Linton, you know, is running stuff from midfield after, you know, being a failed striker. Also, you've got, you know, Bruno in the middle of the park, who's probably been the, the one marquee signing so far. But to think Liverpool are, what, eight points behind them? I know they have a game in hand, but you know, I think they're eight points behind them and we're not even in November yet is, you know, a scary thought. I think it does go further than, you know, the transfer window and, and that kind of things. I think, you know, there's, as, as David kind of said, you know, to, to have six or seven, eight, nine players who have just kind of seemingly dropped off a cliff between May and, and August is, is is scary, and I, and I, I don't think that's and I think that's sorry, I think that's why people haven't been able to uh, to, to point a finger at what exactly is wrong. Because if, if that was the case, you know, as was it was eighteen months ago, I think you know you'd all be saying, well, you know, do this and do that, and, and Liverpool will be back to back to power on North London. But the reality is that, that isn't that isn't the case at the moment. Yeah, James Milner said similar before, didn't he? he said, well, if it was if it was one thing, it'd be easier to, to pinpoint. But there's a couple of, of different issues. And one of the, the ways that they've tried to solve it, Gorsi, is obviously with the, the formation there. But I'm not quite sure that that's really done much to, to help it. I thought particularly in wide areas. I know you were, were one of those advocating for another forward signing in the summer. And that obviously didn't happen. But you look at, at the team, obviously Robertson was, was probably a standout performer. Trent on the other side did okay, but... There just wasn't really any width. There wasn't anyone to carry the ball forward. It just seemed like everything was going through the middle. And I think against other teams as well, that's not ideal. But particularly against Leeds, they feel like a team which is very much centre sort of focused. Really, it, it just didn't. It didn't look quite right at Anfield. No, it's. Um, I mean, he went, he went for a diamond, didn't he? In the same way did that I actually. He said after the Ajax game, he wanted to keep um, Nunes in more central areas rather than shutting them up wide left. Um, so we dropped Firmino a little bit deeper and kept Salah and Nunes central. And on paper, I, I, I don't mind the sound of that, to be honest, because then you get your width from the, the full-backs. But then I think um, Trent has kind of maybe been asked to be a little bit more reserved and a bit more conservative in terms of when he chooses to go forward. He's certainly not playing that kind of almost centre midfield role, is it, that, that we've seen him play last season. Uh, Robertson was probably one of Liverpool's best players, but <clears throat> it's it, it's just a perfect storm of everything that you know. We've just been at Anfield there for the Napoli press conference and, and Milner and and Klopp pretty much both had similar things in terms of it being. There's not just one thing that's that's um, that's the, the problem really, um, and we can kind of fix that and get back to what we've known this Liverpool team to be. There are so many issues, and it's just kind of a knock-on effect going back to the summer really when. You know, um, Mane's left, Origi Minamino have left. I didn't think Liverpool have adequately replaced all three of those. They brought in Nunes, Avni and Carvalho, who was never meant to have played anywhere near as much as he has, I'm sure. I think he was very much one that he could drop into a, a winning, cohesive team that was winning games and he'd be able to get his experience levels up in the same way that Harvey Elliott was meant to, really, but it just hasn't worked out that way. And then the injuries, the... Um, just been springing up left, right, and centre. You know, we're talking about Ibrahim Akanate there in, in the press conference, and he might be playing tomorrow against Napoli. It's only going to be his second second start of the season, and you know we're, we're coming towards the the World Cup break in, in mid November. Um, 
19 different players have missed at least one game. Um, add that in, into the kind of, you know, the... I mean, everyone's kind of saying that it's not, but I think it's staring everyone in the face, isn't it? The knock-on effect of not winning the Champions League and not winning the Premier League last season after playing 63 games must have had an impact for this team. Um, Klopp's denied it a few times. Fabinho has denied it. One or two other players, I'm sure, but it seems to be, um, you know, indisputable at this point. Um, so there's just so many issues that, that need resolving. And um, we'd be saying this on, on the back of, you know, had they managed to have beaten Leeds on Saturday, those issues are still there, whether you, you've beaten teams you're in the relegations on their own or not. Um, they kind of just magnify the guess when you do lose. Um, but it's been a, you know, really poor week on the Premier League front for Liverpool. The refuge is the Champions League. Um, and weirdly, I still think that Liverpool have got as good a chance as any of, of really getting into, the, you know, the latter stages of that competition. But in the league, I think we might have to accept that this is going to be a season where they're nowhere near it. And then the knock-on effects of that are, are really worrying, as I say. But um, for now, um, we're just looking ahead to, to Napoli, I guess. Yeah, it's it's four games, obviously, isn't it, till the the World Cup, and, and they get that little bit of a break. And I think we all we are all probably looking forward to, to a bit of a, a break, Lynchy, from from watching this Liverpool team. But I, I, I'm not quite convinced yet. I'm trying to convince myself that it'll be all right. They'll have a bit of a break. A few of the players will go away. They'll sort something out. They'll have a few weeks together and, and be able to work on a few solutions. But I don't know. I, I still, from what I've seen so far this season, I just don't think it's it's going to be that easy. You, you've got to hope that they've got something in the bag that they're going to do in that period. But it, can you see a, a big change when they, they come back after that break? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think I think there will be an uptick on the on the basis of Jota and Diaz coming back, just purely because you know goals win games, and sometimes you can play really poorly and, and score goals and, and win a game you probably don't deserve to. And I think you know having that quality on the pitch will always help you to do that. But I don't expect massive changes in terms of they'll come back from the World Cup and suddenly start controlling games. That that midfield is a serious serious issue that isn't getting solved by time on the training pitch or a change of shape or or any chats internally at Kirby, which is why you know. It's exactly why Jurgen Klopp is constantly changing the shape every week because he knows there's an issue there that can't be solved by what he's got available to him. So for that problem to be solved, I think Liverpool will have to do something in January. But the, the chat from Klopp is obviously that Arta is, is going to stay in January. They're not going to cancel that loan. And therefore, you know, that justification for, look, how many midfielders we've got will, will remain through the January window. So I, I, I personally don't expect to see them do anything at this point, really, to be honest. I'd be, I'd be quite surprised, I'll say that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't expect a, a huge upturn. I, I certainly don't expect them to get back to the form that they were showing last season, and and that's what would be required in the second half of the season to to make a run on top four, not just top four form, but but something way beyond that because teams have already got such a big lead on them. So yeah, I I, I can't see that that massive change coming on, unless Liverpool, you know, sort of something massively changes and they decide they want to dip into January market. And, by one of those probably two or three midfielders that are going to need next summer anyway. That's got to be the the plan, hasn't it, Kiefer? You think looking at it now, like you mentioned before, the importance of the top four in the Champions League. If if they don't get to that point and they don't do something, then as we've said, that the longer term impact could end up costing them a hell of a lot more. Yeah, exactly. And and I think there's you know I think everyone's kind of 
focused on a, a few big names, haven't they? I think, you know, obviously Brozovic is one, Bellingham's another, but I think they're going to need a, a few, um, you know, probably you know, maybe two or three, um, if not more. I think you look at the age profile of the squad as well and, you know, the likes of Jordan Henderson, what will be going 33 next summer, um, Milner will be 37, um, Thiago will be 32. Um, so you're kind of looking at getting into that age of, you know, well beyond their prime, if, if you want to call it that. And I know, obviously, you know, Thiago is a fantastic player at the moment, but, you know, for a player who's so great, you can't be relying on him to play, you know, one in three games. It's just not a sustainable way of, you know, building anything um, or mounting any challenges on, on any fronts. Um, then, obviously, you've got the likes of, obviously, Naby Keita and, and Chamberlain out of contract, obviously, Milner as well. So, you know, you're looking at a massive overhaul next summer. And, and like I said earlier, if, <clears throat> if you aren't able to get Champions League football, you know, it kind of goes back to, you're probably looking at what Liverpool have been doing, what, five years ago in terms of, you know, getting those kind of deals like Robertson and, and maybe Shakiris and, and Yohan Adams. You're probably shopping at that lower end of the table again, which, you know, is, is all great. But, you know, if in terms of competing with Manchester City, as David said, you know, they win the title and they, they go and add, add Hurling Haaland to their kind of, you know, ranks, which, you know, kind of speaks at the level that, you know, Liverpool will need to be... Um, you know, acquiring those kind of players. And, and there is, I think there obviously is an element of it that obviously I think we all know that Liverpool have probably been punching above their weight in terms of, you know, the last three or four years, um, you know, in terms of being able to compete with Manchester City. I don't think anyone, you know, expects that on a, on a year in, year out basis. I think obviously top four, as Klopp has obviously always said, is is the bread and butter of the club. Um, you know, it goes back to the, the self-sustaining ownership of FSG, which, you know, for, for all it's kind of, you know, I think, you know, times like this obviously do amplify the, the flaws in that model and, and why maybe owners who are maybe more desperate to, to to put their hands in the pocket and maybe more hands-on owners um you know are better but then obviously you've kind of got the, the double-edged sword of that in terms of you know look at Newcastle United look at Manchester City look at Chelsea kind of look at the kind of uh issues around those ownerships and that so I think it's you know whilst whilst I don't think FSG are the perfect owners I think there's you know there's certainly worse owners that they that could get out there um, but I think obviously next summer if I think it is a massive summer for them in terms of, you know, to kind of prove that they are kind of committed to the project and, um, you know, they are ready to back clock because, you know, we obviously signed the contract, what, less than six months ago. And it already looks like, I think obviously everyone had already anticipated that kind of, that, that rebuild and how difficult it would be and, you know, kind of speculated whether Klopp will be around. But obviously now he's committed, they've got the manager. You know, he said today, didn't he, quite defiantly that, you know, he's not tired. He's, you know, he's still ready to give. The players are as well, but, you know, if they don't get Champions League, it's it's back to square one in a sense of, you know, as Gorsi said, all that that hard work since October 2015 is is almost done in undone in what nine months, which is, you know, a very long road back in terms of, you know, when you're competing with those, you know, Newcastle United who are now the, the richest football club in the world, obviously Manchester City, obviously Chelsea aren't messing around. Um so yeah, is a is a really big thumb. And like I say, if they don't get that that Champions League football you know, not only are you losing the ability to attract those kind of world-class stars that, you know, are really going to kind of revitalise that Liverpool midfield, you're also losing out on the cash to do it, which, you know, kind of speaks for itself in terms of where that will leave Liverpool. And it's, um, yeah, especially, you know, in the kind of just transition as well. Obviously, with Michael Edwards gone, it's, I know, obviously, Julian Ward worked closely with him, but, you know, you've got someone who's kind of essentially new on the job in that sense, which is obviously going to be a big ask for him to, you know, like it was this summer, you know, he's going to have a big summer ahead of him. So, you know, I think as, as as many things that you can have to kind of make Liverpool an, an appealing place to play football is obviously going to make his job and, and his life a hell of a lot easier. You know, if you're asking him to, to go and do that without Champions League football or without the funds and, and the stuff to compete, then it goes without saying that his job gets, you know, a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, just to, Sorry, just to come in on, on that point, yeah. actually, about with the Champions League football, I, I remember having a conversation with someone at, at Liverpool, it was maybe last summer, um, about 
how you know the, the the recruitment staff how they react to Liverpool's newfound status as being you know okay at the start of this whole project it was building up slowly buying players from clubs who were relegated and, and bringing this team that was sort of inexperienced and, and making great players and I said well how, how, you know ask we were speaking about how how do you adapt that plan now that you're at the top table. Um, and, and you know you you can't just buy those, but you, you can't really restart the project again every three years. By you know we, we'll start again with signing Sadio Mane from Southampton and hoping he becomes a world class player and, and picking Mo Salah from from Roma and, and Andy Robertson from Hull and doing that all over again. Or or, or, is, or is that the plan to do that? And it was you know the shout was no. And, and you look at the business they've done since they've been that established club. There's almost a reluctance to well we've seen a reluctance to go into the market. Whether that is because they're shopping at a different uh, you know, a, a different level now, and they're finding that more difficult. But also, you know, ha- has the business since then is either because of COVID or because of that inability to make decisions, has it been quite as good as originally? So it was really clear for them at the start that they wanted two goal-scoring wingers to complement Firmino. That was the first eleven they wanted. A really solid midfield. They wanted fullbacks who could go forward and centre-halves who could deal with high balls because of the as a consequence of the press. But since then, it's sort of been. A little bit mismatched. There's not been a real clear identity of players they were signing. I think Thiago seemed to me like a bit of a, you know, Jurgen Klopp wanted to scratch that itch of managing, managing him a little bit because he admired him for so long. Diogo Jota comes in, he instantly looks like he's the successor to Sadio Mane. Then Luis Diaz signs, and all of a sudden Jota's the successor to Firmino. Then you sign Nunez, and then it's a little bit like, well, so what's the plan for Jota next? You know. You can't tell me it's ideal that, that Liverpool wanted to lose Sadio Mane and, and sign Nunez, knowing he was this raw as well. You know, all these little things add up and make me think that, that Liverpool aren't quite comfortable with the idea of they don't know what to do when they're in this position, when they're right at the top, how they refresh things and do do it in a way that doesn't really, you know, doesn't drop the level massively. And that's a, that's a really interesting thing they're going to have to deal with. And maybe if they drop out of the Champions League, it will give them space to sort of rebuild again and, and do what they did last time and build a, a second great side under Jurgen Klopp but it's you know if they get to that summit again it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it because in my opinion just judging by their actions in the last few years I, I don't think they've dealt with that particularly well and we've, we've seen that in, in terms of signings I don't think there's been a you know a truly great signing who's completely fit in perfectly you know even giving Thiago as good as he is it is it, you know they had a struggle with fitting him in initially and I just think it's an interesting conundrum they might have to face and you know, like I say, if they drop out of the Champions League, maybe that solves the issue for them because they can just do what they did last time. I think I think one of the issues is on that point, Lindsay, is the fact that the better Liverpool have got, the the smaller the pool has got, and you know the talent that's available to them. It was a bit easier five years ago when they they just qualified for the Champions League, and, and they were bringing in and Andy Robertson from Hull, and Salah was a little bit of a calculated gamble, wasn't it? You know, Klopp wasn't massively sold on him. He had to be, you know, told by. Barry Hunter and, and Dave Fallows, wasn't it? And, you know, the rest of the team that he was the man to kind of spearhead them going forward. But which which I we never probably do now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, they need to be 100% on the signing every time yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they have to be, don't they? Given the the, the level of, well, I suppose they, they were that when they're competing with City, they know that if they're signing someone for 40, 50 million, it's got to be an absolute smash hit because they can't write it off in the same way that City are able to. Um, I think Naby Keita is the kind of kind of shining light on that one, isn't he? You know, the fact that he's into the, going to edge into the last six months of his Liverpool contract um, without yet to really convince either way. And I think the fact that 
Um, every other player in the Liverpool squad has had at least one new contract during the time that he's been at the club kind of speaks volumes to the fact that he, people have never majorly been kind of sold on him. But, you know, on the flip side of that, Liverpool can't just write it off and think, that, OK, well, that's something that hasn't worked. Let's let's move on and, and bring someone else in for a similar wage, a similar fee, because they, they're not able to, essentially. So it's um, it's difficult. And, and if they don't make the top four, it's only going to get more difficult. Um I'm not really sure what the the answer is. Um, I, I think I think FSG have to throw caution to the wind at this point and just look at where they are in in January and think, well, if they don't make the top four, then they really are snookered, particularly with the you know the Anfield Road um, expansion that's costing you know eighty odd million, isn't it? So um, yeah, I mean Liverpool were in a similar situation during the COVID season, but there was maybe a little bit of an acceptance that that was just kind of a bit of a Strange campaign, you just knuckle down and get through it. But this one will have kind of long-lasting ramifications if the people don't get into the top four. And it's not looking like they're going to do it, is it, at the moment, let's be honest. That Just to, to stick with you, Ghosty, I mean, that that's what makes January so important, really, for me. The fact that we're looking at, at the summer and going, well, whatever happens in the second half of this season really is dependent you know, on, on what might happen longer term. I mean, we, we saw them dip into the market for, for Luis Diaz and I don't think they'd have got as close to the quadruple as what they did if they hadn't have done that. We've seen you know, the impact it can make even on a, a very good, high-performing team. If Liverpool weren't to do something in January, again, we're, we're in that situation where you'd be surely left wondering why that was at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, Klopp always says, doesn't he? You buy a player in January because you wanted them in the summer and, and that's fair enough. Um, but then... There's this conventional wisdom that January is not really a buyer's market and it's just for players who are kind of not getting game time and moving on. But Liverpool signed Van Dijk in January, didn't they? They signed Coutinho in January, Suarez in January, Sturridge in January. Even going back as far as Daniel Agger when he joined the club, Liverpool have done some really, well, some incredible business really in January. So I don't necessarily buy this idea that, you know, the quality isn't always available. Um if you're aggressive enough and you want the player enough, then they are available, aren't they? Let, let's face it. Um, and I think if the if the ownership were kind of banking on the Champions League income next summer to do whatever it is that they've got planned, I think they need, they need to bring that forward by six months and just throw a bit more caution to the wind because if they don't, then we're going to be looking at the situation that people find themselves in now where half half fit confident shot players are asked to go again and go again and go again and at the moment we've seen that they are coming up short aren't they I mean in a way of you know this this sounds terrible this but I'm actually quite quite pleased if that's that's a bit too extreme that the Arthur Mello transfer has blown up in the face because they were they were absolutely just winging that one where the you know transfer deadline they get a lad in who hasn't played for three months who doesn't play for three events is bring him in on loan and hope that it cures one or two ills and it papers over the cracks and it absolutely hasn't. Um, it's terribly unfortunate for him. But um, Liverpool got away with one in January 2021 when they signed Ozaka back and Ben Davis. They did qualify for the Champions League with a team that was largely made up of <clears throat> Nat Phillips and Reese Williams at the back and somehow they managed to win eight of the last 10 games and, and get there. But um, he tried it again with Arthur Mello and it's spectacularly backfired on them, hasn't it? So, Maybe that will be a cautionary tale if they do try anything similar in January. 
yeah, very much a, a race to get into the top four from this point for Liverpool, but still a lot to play for in the Champions League this season. We'll move on now to talk about Napoli for a short while. We'll pick our teams as well in a couple of moments' time. But Vinci, just on Napoli, first and foremost, one of the informed teams in Europe, one of the best teams, certainly the most exciting attacking teams so far this season. If Liverpool play anything like what they did on Saturday, it could be a cricket score. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, yeah, because as we said, the, the Anfield factor doesn't even come into it anymore. They can he can be beaten there as well. So it's um, yeah, a little bit of a worry. I think it's it's a difficult one. I know we'll talk about our own team selections, but it's a really difficult one for Klopp. I, I know he said in the press conference earlier, didn't he, that you know, coming up against a team that's in this sort of form is, is probably not the time for rotation, but he, he keeps highlighting that one of the biggest problems this season, in his opinion, is that he's not able to rest plays, he's not able to make changes. And so, at the end of the day, this, this game is ultimately meaningless in that Liverpool are probably not going to get the, is it the 4-0 win they need to, to uh, progress as group winners. So, this is a, a very rare opportunity in a season that is just packed with games to, to make changes and, 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 you know, for Jurgen Klopp to prove that theory that if he had more op- uh, more chances to rotate, more ability to rotate his, ta- his team, then, then his, his things will be better off this season. So, I, I just think he, you know, regardless of what the score is going to be and what you know, you've got to think Napoli as well in their heads know that they've qualified as group winners as well. So probably don't have to turn up and, and smash Liverpool. I just think Jurgen Klopp's got to grasp this opportunity to change things up and, and make sort of sweeping changes to the team and, and then hope that that can bring a recovery in, in the Premier League because, you know, the alternative is, is putting these players through another game where they're going to look a little bit tired and, and a bit leggy and, and then, you know, then you take it into the Premier League again at the weekend. I just think... Just, just don't miss this opportunity while it's there because you don't come up very often. Yeah, I'm with you completely. I think it would be a, would be a mistake to, to do anything other than that. The only sort of thing that I was thinking perhaps, Kiefer, is that off the back of, of Saturday, Klopp won't want another performance like that. He'll probably want to to put in you know, a, a bit of a performance, a bit of rhythm, as he, as he likes to say, in terms of, of going into that Tottenham game. But I don't know that that doesn't quite feel like the, the right way of, of doing it to me. What do you reckon he should do? What what do you reckon he might do? It's a bit of a double edged sword in, in the sense, isn't it? But I think as as Dave says there that you know Napoli aren't going to be coming full guns blazing, are they to kind of, you know not with pull aside. You know, there's you know, there's what there's two, three weeks now to the World Cup. You know, I think their players will be welcoming as well, especially the ones who are going to Qatar of, you know, maybe a night off if you want to call it that. Um, and certainly the way that Liverpool's full strength team has been performing, I wouldn't be expecting them to win by four goals anyway. Um, so obviously add that into the equation, but it's uh, yeah, certainly an opportunity where you know the likes of Curtis Jones and, and even Carvalho, you'd probably put them in there, you know, to give them a bit of minutes, you know, ahead of the uh, ahead of the game on, on Sunday. Not that they'd start, but you know, more so more so to rest the other the other lads, and and then also obviously for them to have something to build on to after the World Cup. I mean, obviously Jones has he's only played what half an hour or so. Obviously, well, he played at Forest as well, but you know he, he needs something to work on during the World Cup. And you know if he's only had you know two outings where you know one which was in a, a mismatch midfield alongside you know Carvalho and Elliot, it's a bit kind of unfair, isn't it, for that to kind of be his first half of the season? So I'd expect him to to kind of be in there and be involved in, in what role? I, I don't know, maybe off the strikers, um, you know Nunes and Salah, because you know you think he does have to kind of have a bit of firepower up top and, and he doesn't have the options really, does he? But apart from that, you know, you're probably looking at Canate as well, uh, Simic has to come in, but, you know, Henderson as well. But apart from that, there isn't, it'd still be a strong enough side you'd, you'd expect to kind of, to get the job done and even put on a, a good performance, um, you know, even if Liverpool aren't to, aren't to win. Um, 
I mean, I think if they finish second, what who you're looking at? You're playing at Bayern Munich, Bruges, if that group stays out, it is Real Madrid, um, and, and one more. I think there isn't, there's four, isn't there? Um, so, you know, you kind of accept that Liverpool are going to be playing one of those. Like I say, it's a, it's an almighty ass to kind of flip that score around and, with what happened in Napoli. But, um, yeah, as, as Dave says, he, he um, you know, he's kind of banged on about not having the, the midfield personnel, especially, um, you know, in, in the week so far this season. And, you know, if he kind of has the opportunity tomorrow night and then you think there's Derby next week, so you're potentially playing two, two, two more full games as, as full strength, you know, it's, it's certainly manageable. And, you know, I think anything other than the six from six, but in, in terms of Spurs and Southampton ahead of the break, I think then that is Liverpool season's gone, especially playing Tottenham. But, you know, if, if they if, if 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 they get six points from that, you know, you, and a game in hand, you know, I know it's against Chelsea, but you know, the potential there to be five points off Newcastle at some point in the season. Um, so, you know, that's salvageable, I think. You know, I think they could probably turn that around, you know, especially with, with some of the teams that come to Anfield. You know, you think of the, the away games they've played so far this season, whatever in Arsenal, they will play Tottenham, uh, United as well. Obviously they've got to go to the Etihad, but you know, there is if Liverpool can kind of patch themselves up and go again, there is winnable games there, even if the, the kind of atmosphere or has, has maybe gone over the weekend. But um, yeah, I think obviously, you know, tomorrow is not the big game, is it? It's, it's the one on the weekend and, and then the one against Southampton before the World Cup. So I think, you know, if you can kind of lay the foundations for that tomorrow by giving a, a few a few lads a, a rest off as well. And, and you got to think, and I know we've just spoken about Thiago then, but, you know, he missed a game last year at Spurs, didn't he? Um, you know, I think the midfield they had that was what was it more than Cater Milner. I think it was obviously a massive pitch down at Spurs. You know, I know Liverpool haven't had it in recent weeks, but there does need to be an element of control because that game last year, you know, the first half an hour at Spurs was, was crazy, wasn't it? It could have been, you know, three or four, there could have been three or four goals down. So, you know, certainly won't be looking to, to risk him tomorrow, probably kind of patch him up and, and move him on to the weekend. Yes, with that in mind, then let's move on and pick our teams for the game. It could be a, an interesting team selector. Gorsty, I'll come to you first. Are we assuming that Alisson is in goal and then possibly one or two changes across the back line? Yeah, it's an interesting one. They said a couple of Italian journalists in the press conference kind of asked me for the probable lineup. And I, I was there for about five or ten minutes trying to think of what it actually might be. And um, I think. I think Trent will play. Uh, Simakash, Canate will come back in, and I think he, I think he'll still go with Van Dijk. I had, I had someone suggesting maybe Calvin Ramsey might start, and maybe Van Dijk might drop out. But I don't think he's going to go full league cup with it. So I think that'd be me midfield three. Uh, excuse me, me um, me back four. Allison in goal, uh, and I'll tell you me midfield three after the the two others have given theirs. Yeah, mine's mine's pretty similar to you. I think we might see James Milner at, at fullback, but I fully expect to see Simicas and Canate. Lynchy, do you want to talk us through your back four? Yeah, I think a, a good opportunity to get Canate in, and I, I wonder whether you know because there's not a lot riding on it, and I think it's going to be a, a selection decision between Gomez and Canate at the weekend to partner Van Dijk. Maybe, maybe just this is an opportunity to maybe give Virgil a night off and, and maybe pair those two in in centre of defence. Obviously, Simakas at left back. I agree with that as well. And um, Trent has missed some games this season, so it's maybe not not got you know as many miles in the leg. So maybe could could maybe do this one again. And and I think Allison, you know, diff, it's different for goalkeepers, isn't it? In terms of the they don't cover huge distances or anything like that. So you could probably keep him in for this one. Yeah, Kiefer, do you want to talk us through your defence as well? Yeah, this, the same as Gorsi. I've gone with Allison in goal, Trent, Canate, Van Dijk, and Costas. Um, I think as Gorsi says, obviously 
you know, it's you won't go full league cut with it. And, you know, certainly talk of putting Calvin Ramsey in there. Um, I can't pronounce the last name, but against that Georgian lad on, you know, on the left is would be an almighty ask, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, and, you know, Trent, he obviously missed a game against City. So, he's you know, he's had a, a couple of weeks um, in the legs, nothing nothing like he's been used to in, in that sense. Um, and then, obviously, Klopp said earlier, he didn't see that Canard. They've been training for, what, eight, nine days. So, you'd expect him to, to come back in alongside Van Dijk. Um, and then, you know, as good as Robertson was on the weekend, another one just, you know, to, to patch him up and, and let him have a, a night off ahead of uh, ahead of the game at Tottenham on Sunday. Yeah, Kovice, Kovarat, Scalia. I've been practising it in the, in the sort of the build-up to this game. Looking forward to, to seeing him on the uh, the left wing for Napoli. Hopefully he plays and they don't rotate him. I am certainly looking forward to watching him. But uh, let's move on to the, the midfield. Then, Gorsty, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, well, the reason that I'm going with Milner is uh, right back is because I'm putting him in midfield. It's basically just kind of patch it up as best as possible. Uh, Milner's one of the, the few who, who can play. Um, I'm going to go with Milner, Jones, and um, not actually Chamberlain or Cater, obviously. It's a tough one, isn't it? He's trying to give players a little bit of a little bit of a, a breather, a little bit of a break from from it all, essentially. Um, maybe Henderson. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Henderson because obviously he didn't start did he, on, on Saturday, so um, he might be freshest of the rest of them at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to go with Henderson as well. He didn't start, so I think he'll come in for this one. I think I'm going to go with a four, though. I'll go Cavallio, Henderson, Fabinho and Jones. I know Fabinho could do with the rest, but there's not too many other options. Lynchy? Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. Um, actually, <laughs> oh, it is a tough one, this, because it, yeah... Um, it, it sort of kills you, doesn't it, for the options with, with Oxley Chamberlain and Case not being in the squad. Um, so, yeah, Milner not starting to right back, so definitely starting central midfield. I think alongside maybe Henderson and then with, I think, Jones probably, if he's going to stick with his 4 2 maybe Jones coming in off the left and Elliot on the right, maybe, I think. That sort of gives you maybe options then to, to change things up before Tottenham and, and, and gives the sort of key men a rest. I think if, if Henderson does start in that midfield, if he does come in, then you'd, you'd maybe want to just give him a few minutes, or sorry, 60 minutes, and maybe sub him just to sort of keep him fresh because I think he will. I'd like to think he might come in to a midfield three at the weekend, but we'll, we'll see on that one, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thinking as well. I think Fabio Cavallio didn't play at all, did he, at the weekend? So I'm going to go with, with him. Kiefer, midfield. I've gone a bit different. I've I've gone for the diamond, but I've kind of persisted with Fabinho. You know, I mean, what other options are there to to really then other to to play try and play him into some kind of some kind of form and, and maybe tomorrow night, fingers crossed, might be what's well, got to be better than Saturday. Um, and then obviously for Henderson, obviously not not playing on well, not starting even on on Saturday. I've, I've gone for him. Um, and then it was a bit of a toss up between Carvalho and, and Milner. Um, because onto onto my last pick, I've I've gone with Jones just off off Nunes and, and Salah. Um, so that was why I was tempted to put Milner in there. But I just think obviously Cavalier he hasn't started as he since the seven one win over Rangers. So you know he could do with some do with some minutes. And you know he's probably not going to play at the weekend, is he? Um, so you're probably looking at you know throwing him in there and, and kind of giving him some more time. So yeah, that would be my four: Fabinho sitting, Henderson, Cavalier, and then Jones off off the strikers. I just think. I think obviously he kind of got thrown in didn't he, at Forest unexpectedly with with what happened to Thiago and you know obviously it wasn't a position that he was was comfortable in and um, I just think obviously he's had such a, a stop start you know last what eighteen months or so really hasn't he Jones and 
you know, maybe it's be, be better to see him in a more advanced role, you know, if it kind of feels that, you know, when he does play on that off the left of the midfield free, what it what it used to be. Um, you know, it probably wasn't his role, you know, kind of saw how he flew through the, the ranks in the academy playing, you know, on, on the left of a forward three and, and then behind the striker. So I just think tomorrow, you know, you've not got an awful lot to lose if if you do lose the game and, you know, it might be one to just, you know, add, add something more to kind of his his uh, his assets and, and maybe just kind of see how it, how it, how it fares. Yeah, it was James Milner on the uh, the pre-match press conference, wasn't it? So that's usually a, a surefire sign that they're going to start. But we shall see. Ghosty, your attack. Um, I imagine we've all got the same attack because there aren't any options, are there? Really, these lads are probably counting down with age for that for the end of that Southampton game, and and you can have a bit of a rest. Um, so obviously Firmino, Nunes, and, and Salah. Um, I mean those injuries to Jota and Diaz has just come at the absolute worst time, haven't they? Um. And I've been banging the, the drum all season for why didn't he replace Minamino and or Keita. You know, I can understand letting one of them go, but um, not both of them when you're not bringing in someone else. Because um, they, they were they were massively influential, I think, for, for winning the, the two things that Liverpool won last season. Um, and to just kind of discard them without any thought of a replacement um, kind of highlights, I don't know, maybe a little bit of arrogance, um, but either way we'll have three fit forwards, so those are the three forwards we're playing Yeah, I'd have gone with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain if he was actually in the uh, the Champions League squad, but that feels like a bit of a, a mistake as well, I'm going to go Salah and Nunez and obviously gone with the, the 4-4-2 so don't need a, a third man, but Lynchy, I can't remember how many midfielders you picked, but how many forwards are you going to pick? Yeah, so my, my midfield was sort of, uh, if they're sticking with the diamond, Milner to hold, Henderson on the right, uh, Jones on the left, Elliot in the sort of number 10 position that Firmino's been playing. So that leaves you, you can play Firmino up top maybe to uh, give Salah a rest and, and maybe Nunez alongside him because I think I think he sort of, it, it'd just be good to keep him playing and, and see if he can get goals and, and get his confidence up. He, he just needs to get minutes in his legs, I think, and, and to sort of, yeah, score as many goals as he can to 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 make himself feel you know like he's a, a big part of this team if he can and and and, and then it, you know leaves leaves Salah then to, to maybe come off the bench later on to give him a rest and and hopefully keep everyone in shape for Tottenham. Yeah, I'm sure Salah will play a part at some point if he got If he didn't, Kiefer, who are you going to pick? Uh, I've, I've given well, obviously I've given you my midfield four, so I've gone for Jones at the top of the diamond, which a bit of a bit of a wild shout, but you know why not be fun with it. Um, and then obviously I've gone for gone for Nunes and Salah as the two. Um, I just think obviously you know kind of keep them, you know that that kind of partnership. You know, kind of give it as many minutes as possible, especially with such a big game at the the weekend. I think there was you know more promising signs, wasn't there, on, on Saturday in attack? I mean, um, I know obviously they didn't finish the chances, but Nunes had a couple, didn't he? You know those runs that we kind of talked about in his absence, they you know still come in, and it just feels like maybe just needs that extra kind of ounce of ounce of composure, and and you know hopefully if he can. Uh, you know, get another couple of goals tomorrow, or even just another couple of chances, and just maybe get a bit more used to kind of you know what's what's what what's it, what it's like to be a Liverpool attacker kind of thing. It's it's only going to help him. So, yeah, I won't won't be giving him the night off. And and same with Salah. You know, I know he scored the goal against City, but you know, just kind of again claim into into the form that you know that he was in this time last year, really when he was arguably the best player on the planet. So, yeah, I've got those two up top. Um, and, and given for me, you know, the night off, I think I think he started the last five or six games or so. So it's just a case with Liverpool being so light on on um, on forward options. It's, it's more just a case of not to risk anything ahead of Tottenham where I'd, where I'd put him back in. 
Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Well, we'll do match predictions next. I think that's going to be a pretty tough game to try and predict, to be honest. We don't know quite what Liverpool are going to do, quite what Napoli are going to do. I'll go for 1-1. Gorsty, what do you reckon? Um, I've, I've kind of been like Mark Lawrence on, on this pod with the predictions, where, you know, where he famously you know, predicted Liverpool to go four seasons invincible or whatever it is. But I can't see Liverpool winning this tomorrow. Um, if, if Napoli show up intent to get the three points, I think Napoli are going to win because, the, as Klopp said today, they're the informed team in Europe. They've scored 50 goals in all competitions already, which is an astounding amount. Um, you think of Liverpool have scored 41 and they scored 16 of those in two games. Um, absolutely flying. Um, Kavrat Scalia is, is that how you pronounce it, Matt? I'm looking forward to watching him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can see Napoli winning, in all honesty. Lynchy, same for you, or did Liverpool get something? Yeah, I think I think I just think it's going to be a bit of a mixed team for Liverpool, and so that sort of rhythm won't be there. And if if Napoli turn up, even if they make a couple of changes, I still think they'll just because they feel like they're absolutely flying. We'll, we'll probably have enough to win the game, and so yeah, I think maybe Napoli three one. Kiefer? yeah, I'm uh, going to go full house of defeats here. Um, Probably, probably all the reasons that the two lads have said. Um, you know, they're flying. What they're, they're one of the unbeaten teams in Europe, five points clear top of Syria. You know, as Gorsi says, if they come with kind of any intent or just you know, kind of any anything close to full strength, you know, they'll have, they'll have a field day. And and why would they not? They're coming to Anfield. You know, why not try and try and get that win? They haven't won one here, have they? Um, in the last four visits or whatever. So, you know, be be a big big statement as well. Um, I know obviously Liverpool aren't flying, but you know what a statement that would send to around Europe as well, and, and if not domestically in their league. So, um, feel, feel 3-1, but might be a bit... I, I can't see Liverpool scoring, to be honest. Like, just the amount of chances they're missing. So, I've, oh, I don't want to go 3-0. That's too harsh. Isn't it? I'll, go, I'll go 2-0. Well, it's not quite as harsh as what Theo said a couple of weeks ago before the uh, the Manchester City game. So, hopefully we're... Uh all as wrong as he was then. But uh, I think we shall leave it there for now. Jurgen Klopp and James Milner's press conferences both up on the Blood Red YouTube channel if you've not watched those yet. Open training to come very shortly, just kicking off as we record this podcast. So that should be up as well a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, until next time from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.